is flying With its only mate An all-enduring spirit On the wind's I think the Don't overthink it, it's probably the best bit of advice Well, I mean, if we think about the history of this podcast thinking it thinking about things is not something we've done a lot of no no i think we should just slide very very simply into uh, episode six of series five yes! which we are <laughs> god that last episode by the way lots of people um oh. i was at air town hall the other day um one of the hottest days of the year <laughs> you just happened to be in air town hall was there a reason you were there pouring whiskies for the great robbie's dram club and uh, one or two, you know, fans of the podcast, you brushing shoulders of Hollywood royalty went down quite well. So that was a great episode last last time we did it. But just a great time to be out and about in the whiskey world again. I know it's a cliche, everyone's saying it, but even in the hottest day of the year in Scotland, which is freezing cold for most people mm-hmm. in the west coast of Australia, or whatever, yes, it was no one was complaining. Brilliant time. No, no, no. And so you were down at that. Was that a good event? Did that go well? Oh, great event. Yeah, great event. Uh, I think first pours about one o'clock, last pour about quarter to six. And mm-hmm. just, you know, great. I can only categorise it as great laughs and really good fun. The, the mood was just up another level. And you genuinely came across some listeners. They said they did. One gentleman said, I recognise the voice. How funny. I'm not Gordon Dundas. I've got that, you know. So that was great. It was great to hear some podcast uh, and whiskey listeners. Fabulous. Well, I'm a, I know that this weekend, which is possibly depending when this comes out, maybe last weekend, if you know what I mean, <laughs> I'm in Dumfries uh, at Drambusters. Um, so I'm going to be there. Uh, looking forward to that. Um, and uh, again, a great opportunity to get in amongst it and see what people are saying so now that's that going to be great the good thing about Dram Busters Gordon just in, I think it was January we did an online tasting mm-hmm. just as, or was it February and people were saying you know the online tastings I don't know not really now that it's, it's sort of opening up will people be wanting to do it Dram Busters had 140 people on an online tasting with myself and Daniel Murphy, who has been on a previous podcast. So did they have to 140 people in an online tasting having to listen to you? That's right. And lucky people. So that was uh, very lucky. Very lucky. Just shows you, just shows you, Gordon. Um, Yeah. There is, there is that great appetite down there in Dumfries, which is the bottom left of Scotland. As you look on it, you know, not, not a huge whiskey producing area. Would you say, no. although it's getting no, no, week. Bladnoch down there is is the biggest distillery in that part of the world. But I mean, uh, you know, it's it's very close to the English border, with you know, very close to the the uh, Lake District. But yeah, no, great part of the world, and uh, yeah, the big distillery down there, the most heard of one is Bladnoch. Yes, yes. Well, Gordon, before we start, um, we'd like to have you look at the whiskey news. We've got Becky Paskin coming up later on in the show, we and do. some of our. Well, I love a good feature and I love a good challenge. So we've got a bit of challenge. Yes, a bit of a bit of fun coming up later on. But what are you? What are you? What are you you nosing there, Gordon? Oh, I'm I'm, I'm nosing a Ben Rear, twelve. Nice, forty-six percent. Oh, that's lovely. Well, I'm drinking a uh, Glen Grant ten. Glen Grant, a distillery in Rothes, and uh, if you've not seen it. All I would say, everybody, is you need to see 
the wonderful film done by who we had on last week, Chris Coates and Whiskey Magazine on Dennis Malcolm, who is, I mean, I think he's, is it 60 years at Glen Grant? I think it is. The film's about Dennis, who's the most amazing gentleman. um, And he's been involved in in Glen Grant for 60 odd years and, uh, you know, bringing together these brilliant whiskies. And this 10 year old is just fabulous, just very drinkable, creamy, fudgy, you know, it's mainly bourbon cast. So there's the vanilla, but this is a toffee element to it. And uh, a nice sort of soft apple sort of style as well. It's it's very, very nice. Very nice. Um, so, so, yeah, if you've not seen the film, have a look for Dennis Malcolm. I think it's on YouTube. Dennis Malcolm with Whiskey Magazine. Fabulous film about uh, the wonderful man. And, of course, Ben Reich, we had a nice interview with your friend from Ben Reich in the Highlander Inn. Half past nine on a Saturday night at the we end of the did. Festival. We did. Dougie Cook. Um, Dougie Cook. Yes, Dougie or Douglas is the sort of advocacy manager there. And we did have a, that was a couple of episodes back. That was good fun. He was on good fun. I think he was in the last, he just finished his last tastings of Spirit of Space yeah. Side. So he was in good fun. I have to ask him how the fish and chips was in the Highlands. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Gordon, at the start of every episode, that when we're not out and about, Look at some of the news items uh, in the world of whiskey. Now, this is, what, beginning of June 2022. Anything Mm -hmm. that's caught your eye? Yeah, I mean, a little bit. I mean, I think it's... I was reading an article that... I think you've picked up on this article as well, um, that it is a great time to be drinking brown spirits. I think that that they're more popular than they ever have done. And having just come back from America, the popularity of small batch bourbons, which is, is unbelievable... Um, is really, really taken off and it's got more people into bourbon. They're not all going to survive, unfortunately, just the nature of the way the industry works and the way that whiskey industry is structured in terms of money and, and returns, etc. But ultimately, it's great to see, you know, as more and more people come into the whiskey category, we now know more that people move around it from bourbons to scotches and vice versa, et cetera, et cetera. So, and then even on a wider appeal, we see the, the, you know, distilleries in China and India and all over the place. So that's all fabulous. And so it's great to hear the, the rising popularity of scotch. You picked up on that as well, didn't you? Whether, and I don't think during lockdown, it, uh, if anything, it went up again, but it really is moving up another level. And um, again, the popularity down to just so much out there and so many different uh, categories of, of, of whiskey, not just scotch. It seems to be going um, 10 to the dozen, as they say in this country. Gordon, there's also another story that I, you know, 5 foot 11. Um, I'm afraid You're that, not 5 foot 11. No, I'm not 5 foot 11, but I think one of the, the largest bottles ever built or ah. assembled or produced went on auction and has sold for over 1 million, well, I think it's $1.3 million, a uh, 5 foot 11 McAllen. Did you see that story? I did see it. I've not really studied it, but I did see it. And I was like, 1.1 million pounds for a 5 foot 11 bottle of McAllen. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. And while I was uh, on that story, but I worked out and I realised, and I've got in touch with the powers that be at Glengoyne, we hold a world record. I heard of this because uh, I've been one or two of the archives. Are we a world record holder? What do you think we are world he- record holders in, Gordon? Surely it's got to be in whiskey something. Is it the, um, the, oh. uh, well, I know uh, the, 
slowest distillation. You would good good suggestion, but no, actually, that um, the great Glengoyne Cayley was held on the seventeenth of June, nineteen ninety-seven, simultaneously at venues throughout Scotland and involved six thousand five hundred and sixty-eight people. That is a world record. And I thought, what? That was a piece in the archives. So I went to the Guinness Book of World Records, and it's still there. If you go, did Norris McWhorter turn up? <laughs> I don't think so. And that was in nineteen when. 1997, it's the 25th so anniversary. technically even before Ian McLeod owned Glengoyne. That's correct. I will try and track down people from the end. And I looked up other whiskey uh, records world. from the Guinness Book of World Records. The oldest whiskey is the Baker's Pure Rye Whiskey, distilled in 1847 and owned by a guy called Adam blah, 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 blah. 1847. Wow. That's, a, that's quite a long time ago. So that is the largest bottle. Uh, held 311 litres, the one just sold... And Gordon, I think we can do this. The largest whiskey tasting event. Mm-hmm. How many? They're not Brook Laddie. That was two thousand four hundred or something. Aye, two thousand two hundred eighty-three. Right, we can beat that. I think we can beat that. We can beat that. I think. I think the bit and the and the biggest audience for a whiskey podcast. No, we might not get that. <laughs> <laughs> that's very interesting. Um, so that's that's a world records. I didn't know that. All stemmed from the McCallum bottle to Glen going to these other records but yeah and interesting enough about the biggest whiskey tasting wasn't even in scotland in sweden so good uh, well done those, to them but those swedes i think very good at that now gordon i suppose the biggest news of last week and around the world was the queen's platinum jubilee 70 years mm-hmm. on the throne and i thought 70 years um if we'd got this together and we weren't traveling we should have done this before the jubilee but 70 years could we put together, just as a bit of fun, to uh, doff the cap to the Queen, 70 years of whiskey to celebrate the 70 years on the throne? For example, I'm drinking a Ben Reich 12. There's 12 years. Could I give you that? Um, yeah. We might not get 12. <laughs> she went for even numbers, but there's our 12 right. years. Ben Reich 12. Okay. I'm going to go for a whiskey that was released... I think it was online, actually, for Amazon by a brand, Bowmore, and it was a nine-year-old. Oh, a Bowmore nine. What was that like, Gordon? Do you remember? Very nice for a nine-year-old whiskey. Very nice. Okay, that's 21. I, uh, in a previous episode, I've still got it here, had a teeling 13-year-old. Remember, it's a single grain and had a red wine cask finish. So that's 21 we've got, plus the teeling takes us up to 34 years. Gordon. Oh, right. Okay. Well, uh, uh, I could nail this in one go, but I'm not going to. I need to get, can you get? Mm, I can nail it. I can nail it in one go. Oh, well, just let's do that. Uh, the Glengoyne family cask uh, that came out last year, 36 year old Bish Bash Bosch. Whoa, 70 years. Play that at home, folks. Uh... <laughs> I think the way we should do it is you try and not be the person that puts the last number in. Ah, that was very good, though. 36 yeah, years. Very good. That's, so that's now that's a good game. I, I think we can develop that. I like that. Yeah, I think, I like that. Okay. Um, another little challenge it's quite nice to do, and I think it's quite nice to be even summer and is upon us and people are traveling. We called it whiskey tripping, but I think we should call this new section You Have Reached Your Whiskey Destination. You know, it's a travel guide, and all these websites. Um, tell you contact us, come visit us, and every website 
has directions of how to get there. And I just thought, what a good game. So we've done it a few times. Um, Gordon, it's a great game. Well, I'll start. Um, you are in Glasgow. Yes. Um, and you are... Uh, you're going to take the... You're heading out of Glasgow on the A82. Okay? Yes. Yeah, I know that Heading well. westwards. Heading westwards, you're going to pass through um, Dumbarton, famous for lots of warehousing for the old Chivas brands in Dumbarton. It used to be protected by geese. That's right. Um, you'll be going past Little Mill at Bowling, Sweet. where Little Mill was located. You'll be going past Loch Lomond Distillery in... Alexandria, going past the famous Cameron House. Yes. Um, still on the A82, heading north now. You'll get to um, Tarbert. You'll head over to Arica. Uh, and now you're going to continue through the rest of me. Thankful on the A82, you're going to head southwest. Southwest. You're going to continue southwest down the Mull of Kintyre. Um, you're going to continue down there for about uh, 50 miles where you're going to get a ferry. Ah. And you're going to get a ferry for two and a half hours. Calmac Ferry. It might turn up. You never know. Uh, it might not turn up. You're, you're going to get off and you're going to head get off at one of the ports. You're going to head west and you're going to head on the A846. And you're going to head down that road for about 12 miles. You're then going to peel off that road. Uh-huh. And you're going to go on to the A847. Again, heading west. You're going to go continue along that road for further about eight miles. Uh, maybe six. And then you're going to take the B8018. The B8018. And you're going to go along there for about two and a half miles and you're going to arrive at your destination, your whiskey destination. Oh, I love it. You've got the, you've got the catchphrase going already. You have so arrived. where the heck have you ended up? You have taken me to Tina Craig, then on across to Isla, which was the two hours. Mm-hmm. And I was following you quite well going up. Isla, and I thought you were heading to Bowmore because you've mentioned it two or three yeah, times. Yep. But then no. I think you went more west than I thought. You were. I think you've headed more west. So I think uh-huh. you're either Brocladdy or Kilhoman. And I'm going to say Kilhoman. Hey! Yes! Hey! <laughs> the furthest west on Isla. Yes. Well done. Right. Your turn. Okay. This is uh, play this at home, folks. Uh, Nobody's playing it at home. Just don't turn it off. No, no, I'm just joking. Right, Gordon, I'm in Glasgow as well. Okay. And uh, I'd like you to take the M8. Now, for those of you that are not familiar with Glasgow and have many international visitors, the M8 is a four-lane highway that was put through the middle of Glasgow in the 1960s. Why have a nice uh, city when you can put a four-lane highway through it? So wonderful. Uh, this place people... <laughs> Great <hey>. idea. <laughs> So it's permanently, permanently got roadworks and permanently got cars on it. Yes, that's right. Nah, it's great. Who wants a city to get, get it half into with a four-lane highway right through? Anyway, that was the 1960s. You're going to take the M80. You're heading north out of the M80. Keep on going to the A90. Now, you could go left. You could go straight on to Perth. You're going to take 
the A90, heading to Dundee. You're going to hit Dundee, the land of the roundabouts. Although I have got a family from Dundee, and they call roundabouts circles. You're going to head up uh, through many, many circles and find yourself on the A92 heading north. You'll see a signpost for the legendary golf course of Carnoustie. Keep on going. Eventually, at a circle, you'll take the first exit onto Mon Montrose Road, A92. Turn left, then left again, and you have reached your whiskey destination. Oh. I think it has to be our Bicky. Oh, you Correct. What gave it away? Well, I know they're in that part of the world, and I was struggling because I just, I know that it's the only whiskey place that's really in that part of the world yeah. um you've got i mean if you were going to go further north you've got feta cairn and a bit further west of that you've got glen Cadam, but uh it's the only one that was there so yeah good nice I, I, and doing I, I, really good stuff the, the sterling doing, brothers yeah 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 they seem to be doing again it's that story from farmer to distiller which has been the the, the story of distillation really they're yeah. just following an age-old path Oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's great, and um, you know they, you know they, they really have taken it on, and they've done a really good job. So full marks to them. So that's great, fantastic. That's brilliant. Good. Uh, I, I do like that game. That's a very good game. Um, and I, I feel that I've got one more. This, this, it's almost a theme. This episode of challenges. I have one. You more. love a challenge. You love I a challenge. I have one more. What's, what's the final one? This is the name behind the names. I like my history, but to keep the knowledge in your head, I've got to reread books. And at the moment, I'm rereading Richard Patterson, The Nose, uh, the man uh, who's a third generation master blender, famous for White Mackay, master blender, and the Dalmore. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And also involved in Wolf Craig as well. Ah, yes. Yes. Um, so, yes, uh, Richard's a good friend of mine. I haven't seen him for a while. But he's, uh, I mean, that guy's a legend. Uh, and one of those guys that just, when you go to one of his tastings, you don't forget you've been at one of his tastings. His friend, um, friend, colleague, uh, Greg Glass, who will have to get on mm. the show. We do have to get Greg Glass on the show. Did actually, and if he's listening, Greg, which... Does know, he listen to the show? Oh, uh, yes, religiously. Avidly. Does, um, yeah, right. And, well, he'll uh, be a bit like you, I would imagine. He doesn't want to lose any whiskey knowledge, so he's just re-listening all right. of Whiskey Unscripted. Do you think we that's what people do? Invited us to the blending room of Richard Patterson's in Glasgow. And well, I'd we, love, should, we should uh, go. I would love... Well, I'm, enjoy, enjoy these boot the first time round. Enjoy these boot the second time rounds. He starts a lot. His real education was in Campbelltown, which um, I know you're going to speak of with Becky Paskin, which I thought was very interesting interviews. I've listened to it. And you do touch upon Campbelltown and how it was the Whiskey City. For many oh, years. absolutely. And there's a, re a resurgence in Campbelltown whiskies, which is great to hear. So that was that. And then he went from, he worked for a, a company called J.A. Gillis, and he moved out of Campbelltown, bright lights were calling, back to Glasgow to join White Mackay. And for some reason, I was reading the book, I thought, Gordon, White Mackay were people with real names. So this might be tenuous, but I just thought, they had names. What is the name behind the name? Gordon Dundas, Mr. No. White and Mr. Mackay. Do you know their four names? I've got absolutely no idea. Okay, we'll come back to that. Uh, also, on what's behind the name, Berry Brothers and Rudd, 
Mr. Berry had a name. He was very famous in going across to the Bahamas in the early 20s and realizing that the Americans wanted lighter whiskey come back and made got the Cutty Sark brand up and running. Uh, Berry, Mr. Berry? Stuart. Francis. St. Francis. Francis Berry. Francis right. Berry, brother and Rudd. Uh, Teachers was a big Teachers. brand. Teachers was a great brand. And I can tell you a little bit about Teachers because Teachers is a similar to... Similar to Lang Brothers, in a way, they were they were producers of whiskey. With it, they had a very famous office in St Enoch Square, yes. in Glasgow, and um, they built a distillery up in the Highlands, up near sort of uh, not technically Speyside, but they built a distillery that's owned by Beams and Tory called Ardmore, which is a lightly peated Highland distillery. Uh, now that distillery was named after Ardmore Point from near where I live in Helensburgh, which is where the teacher family had a house. So it was that's where the name came from. Was it William Teacher? Boom, boom. Yes, William Teacher. But my point being, we have these names that are almost legendary as yes. they've transcended the family to become a brand. And it was just a way of looking back mm -hmm. and realising it was a family. And well, what's Langs, is, Langs is another one, which obviously is related to us. Yes, and the Lang brothers was a, you know was 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 Lang's produced banana rum which we produce now. Lang's banana rum, brilliant product. Oh, yes. um, so we produce under that name. We've got a Lang's brand as well. And if you want to find any more about that brand, you can find it on our Ian McLeod website. But it's you know Lang's Supreme was the whiskey of the West Coast. It was your Glasgow, a bit like White Mackay to a certain extent, was your blended whiskey used to sponsor snooker and things like that in the 80s and i remember going to a snooker tournament with langs sponsored by langs and you know these are really important names and it was mentioned a little bit in the previous interview with chris in our last the the people that have been part of these brands and the people that have really made these brands legendary um you know a lot of them and a lot of the stories will dissipate out of the industry. Great. And we've got to keep these stories together. So I'm a great believer that things like, obviously the ones we've mentioned, it's really important to keep the stories of how these brands were created alive. As, uh, you're absolutely right, Gordon. I think that will be the feature of Chris's article. As he said in the podcast, that's going to be this month's article in the magazine. Yeah. Changing the guard. Um, and we don't watch it. We don't record these people. These stories will just become second, third, fourth hand, and we won't... Totally. You know, like William Teacher, for example, the story there, his grandson, William Bergius, in 1913, created the removable cork stopper, which 10, 11 years later, Stuart's Cream of the Barley put on the bottle and was Stuart's the first... Stuart's Cream of the Barley. was the first bottle to have a stopper you could take off and put back in again. And then you look at names like Bailey Nickel Jarvie. That's a famous whiskey from, you know, many years ago. Bailey Nickel and who were these guys? I don't know who they were. Yeah. But there was a whiskey called BNJ, Bailey Nickel and Garvey. I've got a bottle of it actually without a with a broken cork. But um, you know, it's it's a whiskey which was literally the label was done like it was, I mean, it was literally written. I mean, it was a really bad label, but the whiskey was great, and that's why it had a real following. I think it was ultimately owned by Glen Morangy. I might be wrong with that. Well, who were Bailey, who were Nickel, yeah. and who were Jarvie? There's a whole load of other whiskeys like this. Well, you know, Jimison's. You know, that's Irish. It's just a Leviathan in Ireland, Jimison's. John Jimison. So 
And Ballantines, you've mentioned uh, in Dumbarton, you were driving down Ballantines. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He was a he was he was George Ballantine. Uh, Bells, Gordon. It's a massive Bells. What does Bells mean? What's that about? It's a family. And the chap, the the the, the person behind Bells was Mister Arthur Bell. Boom. We'll maybe get into all these stories, but I just think it's worth again. Absolutely. Realise these absolutely. are people and families, and and finally, and. I would be a wee bit pushed myself, but Chivas Brothers, you know, you mentioned about the, the, the French and Pernod Ricard mm-hmm. and the Chivas, you know, yeah, they're yeah. running Glenlivet at the moment, Gordon, Chivas, mm-hmm. massive company. Stapa, a uh, the whiskey they should do more with. Yes. They've got a whole, they're, they're investing heavily in space-side whiskies. Um, so they're spending a lot more, you know, time, at, uh, you know, on space-side whiskies. So, uh a company that's investing heavily, but yeah, there's some amazing stories from those from those distilleries. And the Shivers Brothers, two guys, two grocers from Aberdeen, John and James. Yeah, and then you look at, I mean, I don't know the full story of all of these, but yeah, you look at even across the pond and look at things like, you know, Booker's, Baker's, Basil Hayden's, you know, all these type of things. There's names everywhere. And the history of these are really, really important. So it's a great thing to look at. And uh Hugely, hugely interesting. Fantastic. Yeah. So just a little bit, just it got me thinking there, just uh, some of the names behind the big brands. And we did mention earlier on about uh, uh, the, the Richard Patterson really not quite starting his career in Campbelltown, but that's really where he was, where, where his knowledge really began to coalesce and, and form in the warehouses of Campbellton. And uh, amazing. And that is a, a story of what you and Becky talk about. So it may want to tee up, Gordon. Well, look, I mean, um, I been looking to get Becky on for a long time because I, I love what she's tr- trying to do and has done in this industry. Um, and, and she, she's a, she's a lady who's determined to, ch- to make this industry change. Uh, and I like that. And I think it's, we, we, you know, us at Ian McLeod, we, we, we do a, we, ha- we do a, and have a lot of, uh, good things going on in our business in terms of the people coming through irrespective of whether they're male or female that's good to see but becky knows that that's not always the case and and around the industry there's more to do and so i wanted to get her on to just get her perspective on the industry and i know that she'd also just been traveling around a little bit so i think she she just wanted to come on and, and just talk about what she's been up to so i'm now joined on whiskey unscripted by becky paskin um World famous uh, whiskey writer, uh, contributor, scotchwhiskey.com, and the magical R Whiskey, which uh, I love what you're doing with R Whiskey and all the uh, all the elements and different parts that you put to it. So, Becky, how is life with you? Hi, Gordon. I am I'm good, thank you. I'm down here on uh, the south coast in Brighton, just. Uh, Looking out the window at the grey, miserable day and the fact that my cat is coming from the garden soaking wet, which is probably a you don't want, but she's sat on the table in front of us right now, um, nuzzling me, which is brilliant because now I'm soaking wet. <laughs> but all's good, all's good. Um, yeah, our whiskey is brilliantly too, it's great. You've been really busy though, you've been out and about and you've been all over the place, just back from Campbelltown, oh, lots Campbell. of things going on. Campbelltown was amazing, you know, it's what's so cool about that town region. It's weird that one town is classified as a region of Scotch whiskey, but it is such a 
it's such a fascinating place with such an interesting history. And if anyone listening isn't aware of Campbelltown's history is, um, it, you know, it used to be the epicentre of uh, whiskey production in Scotland. There was um, 30 odd distilleries in the 1800s. Now we're down to just three, but with two more on uh, the horizon. So there's uh, at least two in planning. And I, I hear rumours of more potentially coming in. So we may see a Campbelltown resurgence on the cards, which is super exciting. But I think this is a region which is totally underrepresented. You know, it's got this mm-hmm. uh, classic uh, fruity, oily, uh, maritime style of, of spirit, which you just don't really get anywhere mm. else. And now that I do, I do think that, you know, one of the reasons that Campbelltown fell out of favour is because it was a style of whiskey that just wasn't really wanted for mm. blending purposes. It, you know, the blenders wanted the lighter space side um, and lowland style of whiskey, something that would appease the English palate. So a lot of those distilleries, there were lots of reasons behind it, but a lot of those distilleries closed. But I do think now with single malt becoming so popular, that mm. big oily maritime mm. character is something that's in high demand now because it's really ticking those boxes for the big flavours that uh, whiskey lovers are after right now. So yeah. all, all power to Camtown. Sorry, I've really gone on about Camtown. Camtown no. is amazing. <laughs> it's, it's, and it's such a nice, it's such a nice place. Uh, and it's so good to see uh, the funding really going into that town uh, and, and seeing it develop in a way. So yeah. Absolutely. And for, and for those who don't know, obviously the two, two big, big brands there obviously are um, Glen Scotia and, Springbank which uh, if you can come across a bottle of Springbank you're doing very well I think ultimately <laughs> because you can't get a bottle of Springbank for love nor money certainly where I was in the US there's none so I know Springbank obviously very popular and um, so Campbelltown does a little festival just ahead of the Isla Whiskey Festival is that not correct? Yeah that's right so they have I think it's two or three days uh, so Glen Scotia has an open day and then everyone goes over the road up to Springbank for the day and I think Caden Heads uh, has a day so Caden Heads is the same company as Springbank but um, obviously it's, it's an independent bottler that's that's where they're rooted they're based in Campbelltown so they all have they all have an open day so I was working for Glen Scotia um, this festival and put on a series of masterclasses called the Whiskey Experiment which was a lot of fun. Hilarious. Yeah, that wasn't traditional. It was not traditional. Anyone who knows me knows I don't really go in too much for tradition. I like to shake it up a bit. But it was really designed around um, looking at how our surroundings impact our perception of flavour. So we uh, took one of the warehouses, fitted it out like a living room. We had, We put couches and rugs down and lamps and... Uh, we hung paintings everywhere and as people came in and sat down we uh, tasted a couple of whiskies and then we altered the environment to pull out different flavors in the whiskey through interesting means so through lighting and shape and sound and mm. it really does it's it's amazing how much um light or color or even looking at a shape will change your perception of the flavor of the whiskey in your glass and we're not changing the whiskey the whiskey no. is the same it's your brain that changes so we were f- with people's minds i don't know if i'm allowed to swear on your podcast but i just did 
So <laughs> you can bleep it out if you like. But we were we are we are messing with people's minds to yeah. really extract different or to, to nudge whiskey flavour in a different direction, which is hilarious, absolutely brilliant. And uh, one of the days was my birthday. And so we ended up uh, finishing the last session with a uh, impromptu silent disco in the warehouse. Which I saw is that. Brilliant fun. Fantastic. <laughs> excellent, excellent festival. So if yeah. you've not been, if, if people haven't been to Camertown Whiskey Festival before, then, then definitely go and have a look because it's it's an exciting region. They do both Spring Bank and yeah. um, Glen do some brilliant stuff. So and it's, it's pretty stuff. much, and, and geography wise, it's pretty much on the way to Isla. I mean, you've got to take a little bit of a detour, but you're on the way to the ferry if you're going to go to Isla. So just go a couple of days early and go to Campbelltown and have a look at those two wonderful distilleries and there'll be more distilleries there very shortly 100 percent. but my advice would be if you did want to do campbelltown festival once the dates are announced book your accommodation immediately oh, because yes. they are very uh sparse on a, a hotel rooms in there's the not a lot of options in campbelltown that yeah. is very true or take a tent or take a tent <laughs> uh, you could do that in may you should be okay but you never know um, it's Scotland, remember. So, Becky, you've been in the whiskey industry for how long now? You sort of, well, sort of working in whiskey for how long? Oh, I mean, oh, spirits. Oh. I mean, writing about spirits, drinks. I guess t uh, fifteen years or so. Uh, I mean, I was, I was. If you want to add on the fact I was a bartender before I became a journalist, then we're now, where were you a bartender? <laughs> but, um, I mean, I'd, so, I mean, I bartended for a while and then uh, trained to be a journalist and started writing about the hospitality industry. Um, okay. Became editor of the Spirits Business magazine, which is a, a international yeah. trade title, and then uh, moved to become editor of ScotchWhiskey.com in 2015. Was there for four years, working um, with Dave Broom and Richard Bedard on that title, which I think really set the standard and I don't want you know I'm not patting my own back here but it really did set the standard um, I, for I simply simply could not agree more it was an amazing website and a lot of it's still online actually so um it's all online still, the whole it's still thing, all online yeah and it's like it, a museum now it's you can you can go and look and even are at some of the pages and look at how dusty and outdate a lot of those Wikipedia pages are which <laughs> makes me really sad because the whole Wikipedia element was my baby really I, mm. I worked very hard to curate all of those pages a lot of the research the hard research that went into establishing all of those facts and dates and the distillery facts as well to how many yeah. stores every distillery has and what, what their type of barley they use exactly like all, all of those elements Icky. it was a lot of work yeah. um, and a lot is out of date now sadly so I think if there's one thing they could do with it and, and obviously I'm, I'm not partial to this anymore but they could just update that I'd be really happy um so I was with scotchwhiskey.com for um what was it four years it closed in November 2019 um, so just before the pandemic and it was at that point I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do I was still writing and doing a bit bits and pieces but I'd also founded a movement called Our Whiskey which mm -hmm. uh, is basically designed to challenge misconceptions around who drinks whiskey how whiskey should be drunk uh, to really make whiskey showcase how inclusive whiskey should be and how it can be 
and when the pandemic started I thought well let's do something to bring people together and I, I don't know whether you got involved in this actually Gordon or not <laughs> my memory is really bad but at the start of the pandemic so March 2020 when things were just starting to kick off I thought let's launch an online whiskey festival under the R Whiskey name and we'll send tasting packs out to people and do live virtual tastings now now we're very familiar with that concept and everybody's mm. doing it but at the time mm. can you believe no one had done that before i was the first <laughs> I was that, the that first is unbelievable that, which um, is crazy to think of now and i tell you the logistics to when the couriers weren't working royal mail wasn't working we thought the world was coming to an end <laughs> you were you were you, swimming in boxes and little sample God. bottles I know it was, I, I was getting all of the, the miniatures bottled in Scotland. Luckily, I found a bottler who was still working. They would send them all down to me. And in my one bedroom flat in Brighton, I moved all the furniture in my living room to the side and laid out all the boxes. And I packed each one of those <clears throat> individually. That's commitment. It was but, it but was brilliant. A, but we raised so the first year we ran that um we raised uh twelve thousand pounds for the drinks trust charity and then the second year we did it twice raised thirteen thousand so 25 grand in total for charity so Fabulous. thank you to everyone who supported that because you know it, it was me doing a lot of packing with some of my friends as well uh, who mm -hmm. were lured in by pizza and beer but i <laughs> there were a lot nice. of people there were a lot of people who helped with that all, yeah. all the brands that supported all the people who bought tickets because all of that money went to those in the hospitality industry who were struggling, and Absolutely, yeah. it, it, it was it was really good to raise that that amount of money. And so off the back of that, I kind of thought, well, I want to do something more with our whiskey. Let's turn it into something meaningful. And I always knew that you know diversity in the whiskey industry is an issue that has been growing uh, in visibility over the last few years. Think you'll agree so it's mm -hmm. something that's always been very important to me as a woman working in the whiskey industry and often being at press launches and things the only woman in the room <laughs> quite often i wanted to try and address this issue of yeah. um, the lack of diversity or lack of visibility particularly of women in the mm -hmm. industry so um i wanted to i split our whiskey in two in march 2022 uh, our whiskey mm -hmm. launched as a subscription club and we are a fun accessible uh, educational subscription club we send out uh, samples of whiskey to two samples of whiskey to uh, households all across the UK and uh, the boxes fit right through the letterbox uh, one of my one of my um, missives for the subscription club is we do not like the color brown. So even though the box <laughs> the box itself is black, <laughs> everything else is a bright color. So we've got oranges and yellows and pinks and purples, and it's just making whiskey more fun and colorful, mm -hmm. which is exactly what the industry is and exactly what yeah. the liquid is too. So we wanted to really represent that mm -hmm. through our tastings. So we have two whiskies every month. Um, you get sent two 50 mil samples. They're sizable samples. Proper samples. Proper, proper samples. samples. You can share them with your, your loved ones or your friends, or you can have the whole lot to yourself, or you can have some that evening and then come back to it later. You know, you've got enough there to get your lips around. You can, we, we give you cocktail suggestions. So you can, you know, you can have a taste and then go and try it in a cocktail. There's enough yeah. there to do that with. Uh, and then they are also 
um, accompanied by a live tasting as well with the whiskey makers. So you've Fabulous. got a really good chance to taste the whiskey and learn about it alongside the people who've actually made that liquid. And, you know, it's a very rare opportunity you get a chance for that. And it's only um, 14 quid a month. That's one four, isn't it? Yeah, 14 pounds for what is essentially four drams, which is nothing, I that think. That is nothing. Um, that is nothing. So, everybody, <clears throat> onto our whiskey and subscribe to that. That's an absolute deal. Um, so, I said that our whiskey is split in two, and yep. the other half, which um, is a very a personal passion project of mine, is I launched the Our Whiskey Foundation. So this is a non-profit organisation designed to support, recognise and empower women working in the global whisky industry. We do that through uh, mentorship schemes. We are launching a funding for qualifications. We'll have uh, awards as well. So we'll be looking at diversity and inclusion policies and marketing strategies that are inclusive and really highlighting the, the work of the many amazing women in our industry who do incredible jobs day in day out but are very rarely recognized in industry awards uh we're there to support women we're there to support companies and really just to be a force for good to try and tackle this lack of visibility of women in the whiskey industry uh, and just to support everybody as we're sort of moving forward in this journey have you have you i mean i'm intrigued by this because it's obviously a, a and it's something i can't support enough of um but is it something that you have you seen a progression have you seen oh, yeah. an improvement but yeah. still nowhere where it should be mass massive improvement i mean gordon when when um i, I founded our whiskey in 2018 with georgie bell who mm-hmm. um who works with bacardi she works on the the Maltz team there um she's no longer with our whiskey now but when we did first launch it we were invited to conferences to give talks about the importance of inclusion in whiskey and we witnessed you know half a room of people stand up and walk out because they weren't interested in hearing about women in whiskey people were bored of the conversation we were getting people's eyes glaze over when we were raising the subject of how we need to include more women in whiskey marketing if you're not including women in your marketing you're excluding half of the population from even looking at whiskey as something that's for them. Mm-hmm. You are saying this is only something for men. And why would you, <laughs> A, why would you do that as a brand? It makes no financial sense to exclude no. half of your audience. But also it has a knock-on impact on the this perception of whiskey as being a man's drink and so for the women working within the industry we are constantly being asked oh do you do you actually like whiskey then and that's the question we're asked i'm asked on a daily basis by taxi drivers by uh random friends of friends who don't know me the second somebody knows that i work in whiskey oh do you actually like it then because the assumption is as a woman i shouldn't Mm -hmm. and that comes down to a lack of visibility in marketing so mm-hmm. yes have i seen a difference massive there's now uh, brands are really focusing on making whiskey more inclusive uh, and not just for women but for everybody so mm-hmm. people of color uh, we're seeing more visibility of other minorities uh, within marketing we're seeing campaigns aimed at younger people too and not always just throwing cocktails at them but actually showing neat spirit 
yeah and um, aimed at younger legal drinking age people as well so it's really this term like democrat the democratization of whiskey is a real thing and i know mm. some people are sick of that term but i really do think whiskey is now on a mission it, it really is opening up to a new audience and in a way it never has done before which is so exciting totally agree i mean it's almost you know i think i think whiskey can't open up enough and um you know i get asked as an ambassador someone who's been in the industry a long time you know incessantly even simple things like how should i drink my whiskey it's like drink it the way you want to drink it it is a drink for everybody and I, nothing annoys me more than when i'm at a show and somebody goes um i used to work for a heavily peated whiskey brand lafroig and people go well, you know they come up and they go lafroig and and they go um you know and maybe the wife's standing there and i'm like would you like a lafroig as well and they you know, this is five years ago. I'm, not, I'm sure it's not for her. No, why don't you let her decide if it's for her? I mean, it's just this whole, this whole, I mean, uh, but we are getting there, I think. And But it's got a long way to go. And you know more about it than I do. But it is. Yeah, you know, it's, you're absolutely right. We are getting there. But if we do still have a long way to go. And, so, you know, there are, there are still some people in the industry, maybe listening to this, thinking, well, I've never experienced an issue so it can't possibly exist or I've never seen a woman mm. in the industry um asked if she even likes whiskey so that I, I don't you know it's probably not as big an issue as as Becky's making out but the thing is for the for the people who have to deal with this on a daily basis as part of their jobs as part of their careers it is a real issue mm. and it affects more people than you think just because you haven't witnessed it doesn't mean it doesn't exist you know i have had um just just recently i i, I conducted taste i conduct a lot of whiskey tastings and recently i had um uh, a guy stand at the back of the room shouting out sexist comments at me um just random you know things like oh if your picture was on this bottle then it would sell a hell of a lot more and just making comments about my appearance when i'm there standing speaking to people about whiskey and teaching them his role was to undermine me and make comments about my appearance and how i should have my photo on a bottle of whiskey and th those things like that it's just it's difficult enough mm. and you'll know this to stand in front of a room full of drunk people <laughs> to talk to them <laughs> about whiskey to keep their minds in the game when you, there's so much going on but then to have somebody continuously shout stuff out to you heckle you yeah and comments about your appearance undermining you your authority based on your gender is so mm. tough it's so tough and then you take take the example of um julianne fernandez uh at um banahaven who over on uh, mm. just last week had um a, an issue with a guy who was just awful to her after the mm. take they made a beeline for her to to mm. take her off and picked her out almost it, avoided the the male guys and you know, avoided the males and went for the female that's unbelievable that, because it's easy pickings and yeah. it's it's this this sort of thing does happen these are just two instances yeah. but you know it's 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 there mm -hmm. things are changing for the better and I yep. do believe, you know, change is brand led, but I also think it's consumer led too. And the more we have uh, female voices out there, the more that we make it a normal thing that women know about whiskey and talk about whiskey and mm. fewer people will undermine us.
absolutely absolutely and and the stuff you're doing is fabulous and uh we all have to we all have to call it out as well when we see it we have to we have to you know support our colleagues call it out and you know certainly ian mcleod we we do have a lot of ladies who are coming through the system through into blending into production which is fabulous um but absolutely we yeah. can do more and that's true with everybody so yeah and it's you know this is something the foundation is working on uh, to really tackle within the trade but it's also something that the our whiskey subscription club is doing as well so we promise diversity of liquid and diversity of speakers as well so i am dedicated to making sure we have incredible exciting liquid for people to taste but also that the people representing those whiskies are diverse as well that they don't all look the same we need to showcase the industry and the people who make and drink whiskey from the outside from the inside out so i'm, I'm dedicated to showcasing different people um, and i think if we can all bring that into uh, the work that we're doing especially within our industry constantly thinking about how can I how can I make this a more equal and inclusive space the yeah. best if everybody's thinking that way then the the faster we'll reach our goal I don't I, I genuinely don't think we're going to get there anytime soon but things are improving we are getting there it's just going to take a bit more time yep no I agree with that and totally totally admire what you've done and support what you do and um i'm a i'm a big fan of what you do so that's great and um thank you for taking the time to speak to us on on our little podcast no worries i'm so i'm so excited to be talking and um can't believe that i'm following in the footsteps of william h macy of all people <laughs> legend <laughs> and it's and you know i love seeing how your podcast has grown as well i remember during um uh, the, the latter stages of lockdown, going on my long walks, listening, listening to my podcast, my ear headphones in, listening to you, having a little chat around <laughs> about whiskey. Well, I mean, it's just, but I mean, you know, you were saying, you know, you did the first sort of virtual sort of sending out, sending out packs and things. I think we're the first podcast done by a producer, which I think is uh, is a pretty unique position to be in. And no other producer, I think, it does a podcast like we do. So. Uh, fabulous and look we're really glad to have you on it and uh, lovely to catch up with you and um we'll hopefully see you somewhere very soon for a whiskey somewhere oh, i would love to love to catch up like in a bar just Real life. A, wouldn't that be great oh let's just go somewhere and get pissed that would be amazing <laughs> let's do <laughs> that around <laughs> fabulous oh that was superb super interview really enjoyed that gordon yeah, a, a lady that is doing really good stuff through mentorship, through creating a, a non-profit for the good of, of you know, people in the industry is fabulous. And uh, I would absolutely subscribe to the uh, the monthly whiskey uh, that you get through your letterbox. Oh, I know. Fabulous. And, and I have to say, scotchwhiskey.com, uh, brilliant. I mean, really, shame. Uh, everyone involved in that have to be so proud. It's just a shame. Totally. I think it's one of the big, I don't know, dark days of whiskey would that be too much to say that no it was a great out? resource it was a great resource and uh you know i think everybody knew it was a great resource it was well used but these things unfortunately you know get to get to a point where if you want to have the best writers and the best insights it costs a lot of money and unfortunately yeah. it never really commercially worked which was a shame yeah yeah yeah, yeah so something out there with lots of money It'd be quite nice to get it Absolutely. get it going again that Absolutely. Gordon, well, we're kind of running out of time, but I'm really conscious we started this 
because this episode is about features. We've had some great uh, destinations and yeah. some of the names behind the big brands, which we need to do more on. But remember, we started the 80s Eds. Oh, yeah. Yeah, where are we? <laughs> I did go back. I think we're at C, the letter C. So hit the music. Uh, and have we got any Cs? Now, this is not about brands or about um, processes, about people. The A to Zs of it's people just, in whiskey. I'm just mentioning people that we know. So I'm going to start with a gentleman that I had the pleasure of meeting in the States. Um, Evan Katanak. Famous name. Um and Evan was really basically inspirational in starting the modern day. But he was like one of the first ever ambassadors and for Diageo and, and was in, integral in the Master of Scotch program, which we heard from Marty Duffy in the last, uh, he was a Master of Scotch. There was a team of 20, 15 or 20 uh, uh, ambassadors in the US and Evan Katnack was at the center of it and was a, was an inspiration to know great guy died about five years ago unfortunately but uh, a great guy and just someone who I think really helped genuinely make whiskey what it is now in the US in terms of being involved in spreading the word of whiskey so fabulous that's to that's start good. off with him this is exactly what it's for got a great shout out there to always a great man mm. um Gordon we've got a bit of a problem we've got quite a lot of Campbell's there's a lot of Campbells. <laughs> it's Scotland. Scotland. We've got a lot of Campbells. I'll just um, give out a shout to your friends who was the chairman of the Spirit of Speyside Festival, Mr. James Campbell, who I had yes. the very great privilege of dancing a Kaylee with a few weeks ago. Very nice. Well, then there's, of course, John Campbell, formerly of the P.T. Lefroig and now of Loch Lee uh, in near Kilmarnock, a lowland whiskey. I think re- produced their first bottling uh earlier this year i think it came out on it came out on valentine's day i think it yeah, might have come out on valentine's day uh which was fabulous kirstine campbell who obviously is the blender for or uh, for mccallan and i also want to give a bit of a shout out to a guy who is doing a bit of an inspirational walk around the uk he's running walking from John O'Groats to Land's End, and uh, it's Fraser Campbell, formerly huh? of uh, former ambassador uh, of Bacardi, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and Fraser's someone I've known for a while, and um, he's, a, he's a great guy, and he's currently walking for, I think it's for multiple sclerosis? Yes. Uh, for the MS Society, and he's walking from John O'Groats to Land's End. Good for him. And just a quick couple of history ones. Um I actually do think we've not done many Bs, but maybe come, we'll maybe come back to this. But Cs, uh, we've got to, but it all began, for the modern story, it was 1494, Lindor's Abba, Friar or Brother John Corr, C-O-R, was the, 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 the first written reference to malted barley being used to make aquavity, the water of life, in that part of Fife at Lindor's Abbey. So 1494, and Helen Cumming of Cardew, I think she first started mm-hmm. distilling in there, 1812, 1811, and their um, friend Ronnie Cox, now of Berry Brothers, who oh. was mentioned earlier on, is mm. her great 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 grandson or something. So she was mm. doing it like illegally and then became part of the establishment as so absolutely. Many so Ronnie Cardew, Cox, absolutely, and Cor. Another couple of people that I just wanted to mention: um, Robin Cooper. So we mentioned Dennis Malcolm earlier of uh, Glen Grant. Robin represents uh, Glenn Grant over in the States. Um, 
doing some great work and I think was over recently. And a couple of people, Ian Kreitscher. Ian's a guy who started North or involved with North Star Spirits and now aligned with David Sturk are producing and building a new distillery in Campbelltown. Ah, just as was called Del Riata or something. Yes, I can't remember yes. the name. Is that not right? Yeah. So, yeah, there's quite a lot of C's, not to mention Dougie Cook, of course, who we spoke about earlier. We will have missed many. I know exactly. Is, exactly. We that, have that. If, you're, if you're a C out there in your whiskey, you can always get in touch. And we'll, and we'll put you in the next round, which will be 25 <laughs> episodes from now. I, just forget, I forgot Juliet Buckingham and Andy Bell. Uh, You're going back to B's? Yes. Robert A's? But only because Juliet met the Queen. There was a picture on Facebook. Oh, there was. I saw that. There was. Yeah, a few years ago. So, Great uh, episode. Mr. B's Gordon, we have no time. We have to draw a veil. I'm going to raise my Ben Reich to you, the 12-year-olds, and have a, have a wee slange. Thank you very much for joining us. Oh, fabulous. Episode. And thanks for listening, folks. Slange. Posting ahead on the whiskey trail.